The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. If you desire to reach your highest potential in your professional life, the next hour is going to help you uncover proven concepts developed by Lori Moss to help you pump up your professionalism, up-level your career, and transform from being stuck to being sought after. The Lori Moss Show, Better Job, Better Life, tackles all of the tough talks everyone knows about, gossips about, but never fully address in the workplace. Now is your time to transform with the expert in professional presence. Now, here is your host, Lori Moss. Welcome. I'm Lori Moss and glad to have you with us today. This is the second of our four-part Communication for Success series. Today, we'll be focusing on the intros. The intros meaning making the introductions, presenting information and ideas, delivering your elevator speech. Joining us shortly is our guest, Elizabeth Kraft-Taylor, who doesn't mince words on this topic that is critical to being successful in business and being skillful at engaging others to connect and listen to what we have to say. So let's get started. Introductions are a courtesy. Their purpose is to connect people who have not met one another. Have you ever been in a situation when you are engaged in a conversation that that is close to making a deal, making an appointment, really getting somewhere with somebody you've been wanting to talk to and lurking behind you is somebody who wants to get in on the conversation and be introduced. What do you do with that situation? Um, you know, do we pretend that we don't notice them or do we reluctantly introduce them? Or what if you're terrible at remembering names and you avoid the introduction to save face? It's a bigger deal than it appears, and it takes a skill and practice to do it with ease. A close cousin to the introduction is the elevator speech. Now, this is the answer we give people when they ask us, what do you do? And the reason they call it the elevator speech is you start on the first floor, you're in the elevator with an individual, and you've got 20 floors to tell them who you are, what you do, and to compel them to want to connect. So you find out when the doors open how they responded to that. So they might just bolt out and go the other way. They might linger in the hallway and want to hear more or just politely say, have a nice day. Now, the Shark Tank is a version of the introduction, the elevator speech, presentation, and negotiating all rolled into one. It's, it's an award-winning, uh, Emmy award-winning show because it's a fan favorite. It has elements of risk, guts, heartache, and glory. And really, that is the role that we have as a presenter. No wonder it feels intimidating to most of us, if not probably all of us. And it simply begs the question, do we want to be 
the TV viewer eating popcorn on the couch, or seek to inform and to play big. So who better to bring on the show today than my guest, Elizabeth Kraft Taylor, who's been in a few shark tanks of her own and surfaced to the top in her field by mastering the art of the introduction, the presentation, and the elevator speech. She's a woman with big ideas and doesn't hesitate to present, defend her position, and negotiate an agreeable outcome. She was the Senior Vice President of Marketing with Melvin Simon & Associates, now publicly traded as the Simon Property Group, a commercial real estate company ranked number one in the United States as the largest real estate investment trust. In addition, she oversaw marketing and event planning for the Indiana Pacers NBA team. Following her tenure at Simon, Elizabeth served as CEO of the 500 Festival, a subsidiary of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which produces the largest sporting event in the world, the Indianapolis 500. She was the recipient of the Indiana Governor's Sagamore of the Wabash Award, the highest honor given to those who served with distinction in the state of Indiana. She is the author of the book, Three Jews Walked Into a Shopping Center. It's a revealing account of her adventures in the shopping center business. Her storytelling speaks volumes to communication being the bones of building relationships, getting things done, while garnering the respect and trust of colleagues and clients along the way. Look for her book online at threejews.org. It is with great pleasure to introduce my guest today, Elizabeth Kraft Taylor. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's start out here by uh, asking this question. Let's start with introductions. In business, introductions matter. We know that. What is the purpose of a professional introduction beyond saying, hey, Joe, this is Lindsay? I think that in an introduction, if it's well done, you can show all of your skills. You can show your personality. You reach out. You clasp hands, you look the person in the eye, you smile, and you connect with them. You do everything you can to put your style forward and your sense of self. And hopefully that's well received. So it's really a snapshot of who you, the essence of who you are. Yes, and if someone likes the way you introduce yourself, they'd be comfortable with you introducing yourself to people that they know or that they work with. Makes sense. What, what is it about a well-executed introduction that makes a favorable impression on others? I think it's so much the ability to really reach out and to be present in the moment and to connect with your eyes and with your hands. And what is your opinion about having an expectation behind the elevator speech? Like, I want this person to do business with me, or if we have an agenda, how do What's your thinking on that? I think it's important to tailor your elevator speech to each and every moment. You want something different from Betty than you want from Fred. So depending on what your need is or what their interest is, you tailor your speech. 
What does the introduction need to say and convey? Like, what are the basic elements to an effective introduction? Well, you kind of went over that a little bit earlier. Uh, I know that um, people that have helped me craft an elevator speech, everyone seems to come up with different things that should go into that, which I think is interesting. (laughs) It's not a science. It is, again, an authentic well, it's authentic and it's our essence, really. That's exactly. What we're and we want to be seen as powerful, bold, knowledgeable, and confident. And if we're feeling like we're maybe not all those things in one moment in time, it's acting as if. <laughs> yeah, just pretend. You, If I feel very intimidated going into uh, an event, I stand outside for a minute close my eyes, and pretend I'm the President of the United States, and they are all waiting to meet me. It works. Okay. Thank you for that idea. I'm sure there's quite a few of us out here that are. will do that. I have to do that tomorrow night, actually. Do you have an example of an introduction where you didn't take the person seriously? Um, if you have a very limp handshake... It just seems as though no one has instructed you in business etiquette. Also, one of the things that women do that really presents themselves poorly is they introduce themselves with only their first name. Hi, I'm Judy. Well, guess what? (laughs) Judy, that isn't going to work. You are Judy Canfield. And you stress your whole entire name. That is your title. And unless you have been instructed by your boss as you're slinging French fries that you're only Judy, in every other instance in your life, you are Judy Canfield. And even if you're slinging fries, you're Judy Canfield, right? God willing. (laughs) Do you... um what is a professional way to handle interruptions in business situation when someone wants to be acknowledged and brought into the conversation, but the timing is very inconvenient given the, dis- given the discussion you're having in the moment? If you're having um, what you'd like to think of as a private conversation with someone and you have an interloper at your side just dying to get in on whatever it is you're talking about, the best way to handle it is the best way to handle everything in life, really. Turn to that person, acknowledge them, put your hand on their arm and say to them, I'm so glad to see you, but could I find you a little later because I really need to finish this conversation. It's been a long time coming and we need to get this done and I'll find you in just a little while. And then that frees you to make an introduction that you sincerely want to make, which helps everybody involved. Exactly. Because the person listening to you in the conversation also does not want to be interrupted. So there's three people involved Mm -hmm. in this. And at that point in time, you're the decision maker. And everybody wants to feel comfortable and not awkward. So that is a skill and an art. Mm -hmm. You don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Right. Ever. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And if you can separate from everybody and feel as though you've made everybody feel better about themselves. Good for you. That's excellent. Yes. People, I've heard this. People won't remember what you had to say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. 
It was Maya Angelou. Oh, well, there you go. Yes, I remember that. She's a great one. She's a great one, yes. Which leads to my next question about our personal responsibility to read others and how they are acknowledging us or giving us signals that now is not the time. And if we force our way in, it may lock us out. What are your thoughts on this? If someone half-heartedly glances at me or really doesn't look me in the eye or seems abrupt, then that isn't your time. You know, the time's not always right for you and whoever it is. So it's nothing personal. You don't know what happened to them that day or what they're thinking about or who they're waiting for. So you just say, okay, see you later. And what I have experienced with the consummate professionals out there that really are sought after, they're, they're a huge keynote speaker and there's a reception before the speaking event and everybody is hovering around that person. And I was in that situation a, f- a few months back. I saw the person there, could see that he didn't even know that I was in the room, but I knew to stay out of that. So I went off to the side and he left that group of people about five minutes later. He just left them there and came over and greeted me. Perfect. And we, I, what I learned from that, fortunately I, I read my intuition right and held back, is that that will happen to us. If, sure. if that is really a conversation that is meant to have, somehow mm-hmm. it finds its way. That's right. It's time. And sometimes it's not going to happen. Sometimes you can just give them a smile and a wave. Yep. The thing you never want to do is give them a point and a wink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a visual of that. Yeah, you're don't right. Do that. Don't, don't ever do that. Do that. <laughs> okay, so how about this one? Let's make sure we've got some time here. I, we may not have some time. Um, we're going to go to a quick break here. And when we return, we will talk, we'll finish up our introductions and, and go on to presentations. Go to threejews.org to check out Elizabeth's book and go to my website, lauriemossconcepts.com forward slash radio and give us your comments and questions. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. 
Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Women's Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. If you have a question for Lori Moss, you can tweet it at L Moss Concepts. Find us on Facebook with keyword Lori Moss Concepts or send an email to radio at lorimossconcepts.com. Stay connected by visiting lorimossconcepts.com to learn more. While you're there, read our blog and sign up for the Lori Moss Concepts newsletter for more tips. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Elizabeth Kraft Taylor, continuing our discussion on communication and public speaking. And before we begin, Joe, one of our Chicago listeners, contacted us with this question from last week's show. Here's the question How do you go forward when everyone is against your idea? And our guest today, Elizabeth, was on the show last week, so I'm glad that she's here. Elizabeth, would you like to? Answer Joe's question on how to go forward when everyone is against your idea. Well, there's so many different strategies to accomplish success with that. One is you can be absolutely certain that the full group at least understands your concept. If that's not true, you might need visuals. If that doesn't work, you can break up the group and have private meetings with the people that are involved. You'll say, all right, let's get back together in a week and we'll talk about this again. Meanwhile, you do more research, you do private meetings, and you slowly but surely get everybody over to your side. That sounds like how it's done in Washington, (laughs) D.C. Although you move it faster. (laughs) And and maybe maybe in the better direction. Okay, so let's let's move on actually to presentations. Tell us a bit about the first presentations that you made. Well, when I first got my job at Simon, the first presentation I made um, for me was a very serious endeavor, but no one else in the room thought so. And it was all men and they were smoking cigars and the phones were ringing and it was like a locker room. And everybody was having a great time. Everybody was interrupting each other. And here I am with my pitiful little signs, and I'm trying to sell them on this marketing idea for a building in downtown Indianapolis. And they were just not paying attention. But then when they did, one of the men reached out and started drawing on my presentation. And I thought, well, you know, if this is the way it's going to be, it's not going to work for me. So I picked up the piece of paper that he had drawn on, and I crumpled it up. And that got their attention. So now I'm crumpling this piece of paper, and then I threw it over my shoulder, and I said, look, either you're going to do the marketing here, or I'm going to do the marketing here. But we're not all going to do the marketing here. Silence. And then Fred Simon, sticking his cigar in his mouth, said, you're going to be all right here, girly. Girly. (laughs) 
That's a great story. Thank you. Yes. Um, okay, so that sounds like one of your toughest crowds. Could yes. we say that that was your toughest crowd? And uh, well, it's a it's it's established crowd, taking a stand oh, on who sure. you were and how you were going to be in this organization. Yes. Well, it was that or nothing for mm. it, because you who would want to live like that. So um, I, I think that when you're behind the eight ball, you know, then you just throw it all out there. Everything's on one roll. It's either going to work or it's not going to work. And that's true in work and relationships and everything. So what was your Shark Tank experience? I think any time you are trying to sell something to someone that they really don't want to do. Okay, let me give you an example. When I was running the 500 Festival, we had this great event called the Mini Marathon. 30,000 people running through downtown Indianapolis. And that race used to be on race weekend. So the police in town had to monitor the race, the real race, the car race, the mini marathon race, all of the police escorts, and then all of the petty crimes that might happen when you have that many people together all at once. And I thought to myself, why are we stretching the police force and all the emergency vehicles, including ambulances, on that weekend? We'll just pull that race out of that weekend and put it in the first weekend. Well, you would have thought that I was talking about dressing the Pope in black. I mean, it was the (laughs) end of the world for some of those people. One guy slammed his briefcase shut and left the board. So anyway, it's turned out that that was a very healthy thing to do. But I had to work like a beast to finally get that over. Persistence pays off. (laughs) Absolutely. And having the police chief come over and talk to them didn't hurt either. (laughs) But you had to influence the police chief. Well, (laughs) he was pretty happy with the idea. (laughs) So about presentations, what have you found to be true about audiences? Kind of the characteristics of audiences, expectations, the behaviors that go on in an audience. If someone's forced into a meeting and they don't really want to be there, they don't care what you're trying to do. You know, they're they're busy, they're distracted. If you can make it about the audience and not about yourself, if you can catch their attention with something they really might want to know or hear, you're going to have a much easier time of it. And you need to say what you're going to say and shut up. Because today, people are used to 30-second commercials, and they don't want to be lectured to for 15 minutes. Say it, close the deal, and get out of there. So when you're asked to be a keynote speaker, and sometimes that's a 45-minute talk during lunch kind of situation. Yes, that's right. How how do you feel about those? How how do you go I break it up into segments. And um, I tell funny stories, I get people laughing, I get myself laughing, and um, I make it so enjoyable, I try to, that um, they don't feel the time going by. But I've, I, in my mind, I've got specific ideas that I'm going to get across. And I think that that works. It works for me. 
So what I'm hearing from you is that it's really the storytelling that engages the audience. Absolutely. And then inside that storytelling is actually the message that you're there to deliver. And being able to tell a good story is, I don't care what anybody says, it's the most important skill in business. How are you going to lead anyone if you can't tell a good story? You know, it, it's, it's of the essence It's leadership itself. Okay, follow me because I know how to explain what we're going to do. I know how to complete it and I know how to get us out of here. So it's leadership. Storytelling is leadership. How do you determine what you think the audience needs to hear from you? Especially if it's a large audience. Okay, it depends on if it's mostly male or female, but everybody enjoys a good business story. And if you can talk about something that they can relate to, some event that they've seen or have been to, something they've just heard in the news, something that people universally are uncomfortable with, like public speaking. Talk to people about public speaking, they'd rather be in a room full of snakes. (laughs) So, You know, if you're there to give them tips on how to get comfortable with that, you're doing them a favor. And it's being, not being married so much to an idea that we have, we might have a great speech and we travel around the United States and give that same speech. However, we're in a different state, a different city. And what I'm hearing is, is when we tailor our storytelling to their community, that's the closest connection we can make. That's right. That's and the safest right. one would, would be international or national. But, but really taking the time out, the audience recognizes that if someone was in, in Indianapolis in May and they didn't bring up the Indy 500, mm-hmm. <laughs> people would be surprised, right. possibly. So. Right, right. It's always nice to make a personal connection. Okay, another question that just crossed my mind is silence. What does silence say? I think if you're the speaker, silence is your most powerful weapon. When I walk up to a podium, I stand there, I look out, I count to myself, one, two, three, and then I start. Because by that time, people are getting nervous. People aren't used to quiet. So I've really got them right then. So I have to come up with a strong start. If I were trying to get an idea across and looking for feedback and there was silence, I'd know that maybe I wasn't getting across. Maybe I needed to go another way. Maybe I needed to tell a different story. Maybe I need to check in with people, see what they're thinking. What's an example of checking in? Well, I could say, all right, it seems to me like you might not be enjoying this speech. Now, is anybody here wanting to say anything? Is anybody here wanting me to go in a different way? Is anybody here feeling like I'm irrelevant to you? (laughs) That would take a lot of guts, but why not? What are they going to do? Set you on fire? (laughs) They'll probably start listening because yeah, they don't want to stand up, right? Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's why that's they're right. sitting they in the audience. They do anything but stand up. <laughs> you think this is easy? You come up here. There we go. We're back to that, aren't yeah, we? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's so is easy to be a critic on the couch. Yes, yes, yes. Just stand and 
<laughs> criticize everybody that's doing something. Uh, how do you recover when you when you get off track or lose your train of thought? Um, I don't. I can focus um, in on what my message has to be. And I might have um, a list of five or ten words in front of me on the podium that are cues to me of things that I want to get across. So I just, I don't get distracted. I just really stay with myself and put it all out there. Anything that I have inside of me, they can have. And you trust that? Yeah. So it sounds like you're not a control freak. (laughs) Well, I'm not anxious. Mm -hmm. I'm not anxious. I'm there to um, try to help. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to change something for someone. And um, if I, I know that this is my skill. So why am I going to worry about it? I'm just going to do the best I can to impart it to someone else. And you said something very key there, and that is what you're saying you sincerely believe is for the well-being of your audience. Yes. And when somebody is in control mode, we're trying to protect our own image, our perception, how we're, you know, it, it, it's a whole different reference. And I can see that the feeling of peace would come with delivering a message that you thought would help others versus that anxiety that uh, many public speakers get plagued with because they think they're performing. Right, right. So right. And it's delivering a message that you sincerely care about versus performing. Well, not only that, it's, there's a lot to say about preparation in life. When I, would, when I ran the festival, I didn't have any anxiety the night before the parade where we had 500,000 people. I didn't have any anxiety before the mini marathon. Why should I? I had done everything I possibly could. And when you've done everything you possibly can, that's it. What are you going to get by worrying? Whatever's going to happen is something you'd never dream of anyway. And sometimes it's the greatest, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes it's good. (laughs) What was your biggest success, Elizabeth? I think think my biggest personal success is in my authoring the book, Three Jews Walked Into a Shopping Center, um, telling my story from the very beginning, letting people know for the first time that I accomplished all of these things with only a high school education. That's why they should listen to me. They should listen to me because I have become very successful. I have sat on three corporate boards. There's not a lot of women in the United States, educated or not, that can say that. That's why they should listen to me. And we have a couple of minutes. And, and what I would be interested in hearing is what got you to the point from when you in your younger days to the point that you met the Simons, because they came in and met you working mm-hmm. in a shopping center. Am I right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so in two minutes time, what, what got you to be noticed? What was it about you? 
I had such a work ethic because I had to take care of my sisters and um, I worked in a retail store during the day. I cleaned sportsman's racetrack at night on my hands and knees after the races were over. And on the weekends, I cooked for the nuns to supplement my sister's tuition. So I approached work so seriously, you would have thought it was a sacrament. And um, I just would get constant ideas about it. And I had a lot of influence in the store that I worked for. So that's why the Simons wanted to come there, because it was one of the most successful stores in all of their shopping centers. And you happened to be working that day. That's right. Now, did you make your presence known? Um, Mr. Madigan introduced me to them, and then I went out of my way to be close to them in the buffet line so I could have a little chat. Okay, so you were very strategic. Oh, and you, well, yeah. So you stayed in the background, but you stayed around. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what we were talking about earlier, is reading exactly. your audience, right? Exactly. Okay. And it worked for me. It, it was something that um, you do want to stand out from everybody else. And I, I've sort of practiced doing that. All right. Well, we are... Um, Heading into a short break. Before we leave, I want to ask everyone this. Do you dread networking functions or have a tough time coming up with an engaging response when someone asks you, what do you do? Up next, we will be discussing the elevator speech, networking tips, and asking for the unthinkable and getting cooperation. Go to 3jews.org to check out Elizabeth's book and go to... My website, lauriemossconcepts.com forward slash radio, and give us your comments and questions. We'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We're all living in the moment, but you never know when life is going to take a unique turn. It doesn't have to be a challenge, but perhaps more of a detour to get where we need to be. On The Sky's the Limit, host Karen Levitt knows that experience, having faced it herself. Learn about her journey from a life-changing event to where she is now. Her guests are amazing people who are living these experiences and overcoming obstacles. Learn from their stories every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America empowerment find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn you 
are listening to The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. If you have a question for Lori Moss, you can tweet it at L Moss Concepts. Find us on Facebook with keyword Lori Moss Concepts or send an email to radio at lorimossconcepts.com. Stay connected by visiting lorimossconcepts.com to learn more. While you're there, read our blog and sign up for the Lori Moss Concepts newsletter for more tips. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Elizabeth Kraft-Taylor, continuing our discussion of communication, big events, and negotiating for results. Elizabeth, um, when have you gone to any length to ask for the unthinkable? Well, I had one experience in my life that actually was totally amazing that I ever got home from. I had gone to Chicago with some of the assignments to uh, be in a meeting with our partners. And while we were there, Melvin got a phone call that he had to go to New York. And it was Christmas time. So he took the guys on the plane. I couldn't go because I was always the only woman and there was no place for me to sleep. So he said, well, go to the Chicago condo, stay there. And then we'll get you a plane ticket in the morning. Okay. I didn't think anything of it. So here I am all dressed up in my party clothes. And um, I go to the Chicago condo. I spend the night. I get up in the morning, get in a cab, go out to uh, the airport. I realized that in my handbag, I only had a $100 bill. So by the time I got out to the airport... Almost all the money I had with me was gone. Okay, no cell phones, nothing like that. This was back in the day. All right. So I'm on the plane, and we start to land in Indianapolis. And then we start circling and circling and circling. And we can't land because Indianapolis is fogged in. So the pilot says, okay, we're going to land in Evansville. I don't know what Evansville is or where it is. And I'm like, Evansville in Louisiana, Evansville where? And then it turns out it's Evansville, Indiana. Okay, we get on the ground. Now, remember, I'm still in my evening clothes. All the businessmen on that flight that wanted to go to Indianapolis got together and took the three rental cars that they have in Evansville. I was stuck standing there in this ridiculous outfit, left over from the night before with my $20. No phone, no nothing. I go up to the counter and I say, well, you know, what are the options for getting to Indianapolis? And the guy says, well, you could take a bus. And I said, how much is the bus? He said, $37. I said, well, I can't make that. And so I saw this cab line out in front and I thought, well, okay, I can get somebody to drive me. So I go out and I get in the cab and the driver says, okay, lady, where are you going? I said, Indianapolis. He said, what? And he jumped right out of the cab. He said, are you crazy? You can't go to Indianapolis in a cab. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, it's just about the only option, isn't it? And he said, well, that's going to cost hundreds of dollars. And I said, well, okay, all right. 
I have money, and when we get to Indianapolis, I'll give it to you. And he goes, oh, come on, sister. What kind of a thing are you trying to pull? I said, no, 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 really. Really, look at me. Look at me. And I said, now, would I have on a pink fur coat if I didn't have any money? And he, he just thought I was crazy. And I'm trying to him by what I have on that I have money. And all he thought was, I was crazier than ever for spending all that kind of money on these stupid clothes I had on. So I thought, all right, fine. I've got, I've got to try another, another way to do this. And I said, all right, the people that I work for have a lot of money. And when you get me to work, we'll go up in the office and we'll pay you everything that you're owed. Well, it took a while for him to think about that. By then, all the cab drivers were all gathered around together, and I'm trying to convince all of them. And, you know, some of them are thinking I'm a lady of the night. I don't know what the heck they had in their heads. And so I was like, okay, look, doesn't anybody here want to have an adventure? Really? How many times does someone get off a plane and say, take me to Indianapolis? In a pink fur coat. Yeah, exactly. In turquoise shoes. How many times have you ever been to Indianapolis? Now, let's go. So this one guy says, okay, I'll take you. Give me all the money you have now. I said, well, you know, now I've got 20 bucks. (laughs) Well, okay, he says. We get in the cab. He had never been to Indianapolis in his entire life. He would not let me stop and go to the bathroom. I couldn't stop and get anything to drink. And when he started to see Indianapolis, he started shaking. I thought he was going to have a breakdown. He had never been out of Evansville in his life, if you can believe that. And how far is Evansville from Indianapolis? Um, it's like 172 miles, something like mm-hmm. that. And here I am, and the you know the, the whole thing's racking up in the cab. And um, so we get to our office building, which was in the Regency Hyatt, and the ballets come Oh, Liz, Liz, where have you been? Everybody's looking for you. Blah, blah. Well, in the meantime, Melvin Simon had gone to New York, finished his business, come back, and called my secretary and told her to send me down there. She didn't know what the heck to think. And she said, well, Melvin, she's not here. And I think I remember she left with you. And so Melvin was like, well, what happened to her? And no one had heard from me. No one knew anything about it. So people started calling the airport and all this kind of stuff looking for me. Little did they know I'm in a cab. So we get to work. I go upstairs. And Melvin and Harper are in their office. And everybody says, where have you been? Where have you been? And, you know, by this time, I look just a little left over because I'd been crying besides. And... um I said, well, you know, I think I need about $300. And they were like, for what? I said, well, I got a cab waiting downstairs. And they were like, what on earth? And I said, well, that was the only thing I could do. It was all I could do. And so Melvin says, give her the $300. The story's worth it. So they go down and pay the cab driver. And from then on, Whenever I'd meet Melvin in the hallway or on the escalator, he'd say, where are you going, kid? And I'd say, New York, Buffalo. It didn't make any difference. And he'd say, you're going to fly or you're just going to call a cab. (laughs) (laughs) But I got somebody to take me, by God, 
You know, that wasn't easy. And that's the part of the story that I find really beneficial to those of us in business in that it's that creativity, accepting whatever is going on. Because when we spin around and, and brood our plight, we stay stuck. And it's really being creative and doing the ask. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And the ask is a big risk. In fact, this, this was a horrendous right. ask that you were giving. But I'm going to tell you where I learned that. When I was very young, living in Chicago, Richard Daly, the first Richard Daly, was mayor. Mm-hmm. And Chicago had the reputation, it was called the city that works. We never had any strikes. We never had any problems. We never had anything. One day, the garbage men went on strike. People were astounded that that could happen in Chicago. So we're watching television, and on the news they said that the mayor was going to appear on television in just one minute. All of a sudden, here comes the mayor, short little man, white hanky in his pocket. He's got these papers with him. He's trembling. And he never looks at the paper. He said, you've embarrassed me. You have embarrassed me. You have disappointed me. And he started to cry. The mayor was (laughs) crying. And I thought to myself, as a little girl, look at that. Go all the way to crying to get what you want. The mayor walked off the stage. And what happened? What happened? The garbage men went back to work. That's what happened. That's all it took. The little dramatics will go a very long way. And the willingness to risk Absolutely. the identity. Absolutely. If, if we're married to an identity, yes. it locks us in. Right. And it really locks down our creativity. Right. And, and the other aspect of the ask is knowing your audience. So if we're making the ask, we have to know who we're asking it from mm-hmm. and what they need from us. Mm-hmm. And the taxi driver wanted an adventure, and the mayor wanted everybody to go back to work. So it was that adventure piece mm-hmm. that reeled him in. It, absolutely. The idea of an adventure. I saw the light in his eyes when I said adventure. Okay, so the pink coat didn't do it for him, but it might have done it for yeah, the cab no, driver no, no, three no, doors no. down. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh, your stories are great, and, and, and really that's what you're talking about with presentation. See, look at the beauty of storytelling. Yes. How many messages were just buried in that story? Yes. Persistence. Yes. Asking, knowing your client, respecting who they are, mm-hmm. and... And using all of your Mm. personal skills. Right. The mayor, if he would have gotten on television and started screaming and yelling, that was something he'd done a million times. No, this was a whole new routine. The unexpected. Exactly. The tears from the mayor. Well, my God, everybody was ashamed of themselves and went right back to work. (laughs) That's brilliant. Yes, it was. And the fact that at a young age you saw that, you oh, interpreted it in that way. Absolutely. Destiny. Mm-hmm. It, it, it talks about our mindset in business, really. Um, it, it, depending on how we look at it, sometimes we put a lot of our, 
pressure on ourselves to have to know, to have to think on our feet, to respond with an answer right away. When we know deep down it, it we need to give it due consideration mm-hmm. out of respect for who's asking for it. But when our pride gets in the way and our ego and all of this, we can just see how it just zaps our ability to adapt. Exactly. And move forward. And there's nothing wrong to answer a question saying, can I get back to you? Would you give me a couple of minutes? Let me go make sure I'm correct. Just give me a minute. I'll be right back. And then, you know, run like hell and ask somebody who knows. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And give them credit. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. That And... That is actually very key to building relationships in business is giving credit to where credit is due Mm -hmm. because people want to show up and be your creative advocate. The worst thing you can do is to claim somebody else's idea as your own because that person will never trust you again. They'll never give you their ideas. They'll never back you up. Isn't it wonderful to exalt someone else? Just to make them feel like the star, that makes you feel good, it makes them feel good, and it makes the people watching feel good. And there are many stars that don't want to be on the stage and be at the front lines negotiating the deals and the things that we've been talking about. Right. There's incredible value and there's a lot of stability uh, with those people and they are Um, critical Mm -hmm. to business. Absolutely. Because they're the ones that feed you the information so that your mouth can deliver it the way it needs to be delivered. They know that they can look up all the research in the world. But if they presented it, everybody would be asleep by the time they were through. But if you give research to a good storyteller, they'll trick it up and make it interesting. And you need each other. Oh, absolutely. You need each other. I... I remember us having a discussion about some really tense moments and negotiations that you were having, which there were many, but there was a man named Jerry that you would call in as a neutralizer. Oh, yeah. Do you you want to talk a a bit about that? Because, well, and knowing that he is a person, a resource that you could draw on for that reason. Oh, absolutely. When we would be making a presentation, um, a lot of people would turn to whoever was the most powerful in the room and wait to see what they thought. If they didn't like it, it would turn into a bloodbath. Oh, it's horrible. Blood, stupid. And through no logical thought, just, just to be on the right side, you know, just to be politically correct, just to suck up. So I used to have this signal with one of my staffs And I would hold up three fingers, sort of like this, and then they'd know to go and get this man, Jerry Gershman. And he would take his time getting there, and he'd walk in, and he really was oil on the water because he wasn't going to respond through emotion or trying to please anybody else. Was what I was presenting going to get the job done? for whatever real estate venture we were talking about. And if it was, then that was it, period, the end. We're not going to monkey with it. We're not going to try to stage manage it. We're not going to try to put our egos all over it. So you, you need to know who, who 
can be your ally and who can be your buddy when things get really bad. You can't do everything yourself. And why try? And you know what? It's a lot more interesting and more fulfilling to do it with others, isn't it? To collaborate. Oh, absolutely. And the that pressure happens. is off, like you said, for having to be that person that knows everything. Mm-hmm. That's not possible. Right. And and we're a master of none when we're dabbling just in bits of all the pieces. Right. And if you always present yourself, here's here's my thing. Okay. I'm this little creature. I'm going to do as hard as I can and as fast as I can. And I want to have a good idea every now and then. So let's get together. Let's have some fun and let's get it done. You know, it's okay. And you worked people hard. Anyone that glommed onto your ideas and helped you execute it worked hard and they had fun. Most of the people that have worked for me are still my friends today. And that is what I am most proud of, Mm. especially the men. The men that have worked for me have really stuck with me so much more than so much more than the women. I don't know why that is, but the majority of the men are still so close to me. It's I don't know. It's a wonderful thing. Elizabeth, it's been such a pleasure to have you as our guest on the show. And for the first two parts of our communication series, for our listeners, check out Elizabeth's book by going to the threejews.org website. It's entertaining and it's an insightful read. Join us next week when we will be discussing body language and how it tells all about how we're reacting to what's being said. Remember, the impression you make impacts your ability to capture the attention of others who will pause and listen to what you have to say. It was truly a pleasure to be with all of you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next week. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone. Be successful. Thank you for tuning in to The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. To learn more about Lori Moss Concepts, our services, and to connect with the expert and professional presence, visit LoriMossConcepts.com. Tune in next week for more professionalism transformation. The Lori Moss Show, Better Job, Better Life, airs every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a successful week.